0: Welcome, everyone, to the .NET MAUI podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest in .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studio, and, of course, .NET MAUI. I'm Matt Sokup.
1: I'm James Montemagno.
2: And I am David Ortnow.
1: All right, we got it working. We only took 18 refreshes of Zencaster to get this podcast working, but we did it. Oh, my goodness. Um, How many new iPhones did you order, David?
2: Uh, I have uh, queued up too. It's actually pretty sweet. The uh, the new Apple Store app has the ability to. Uh, pre-configure what it is you want to order. You can even go ahead and plug in your payment information. It'll create a calendar invite for you. uh, And uh, it's pretty funny. It gives you a 15 minute alert and a five minute alert by default. So they really want you to not miss out on buying new things. But I I kind of wonder, do I need to at 7 a.m. my time have both my wife's phone and my phone hand in hand to push buttons to complete the order? I don't know.
1: We'll find mm, you'll find out. What about you, Matt? How many new iPhones for you?
0: Oh, I'm gonna get two of them, but I had no idea. You could actually pre-configure and actually do all the pre-ordering. Yeah. The pre-pre order. Yeah. Oh man, gotta what color your, are you gonna I get to?
2: It's the blue. Yeah, you yeah, got, yep. gotta go for the uh, the signature color of the year. I got green for my last one because that was the eleven color.
0: I think I'm going to blue too, so we can be iPhone buddies. IPhone.
2: Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's time it's time. Uh we, we tend to pass phones down to the children, um, and they've been holding out and, you know, dealing with broken screens and cameras and, oh, I can't hear anybody on my phone, that kind of stuff. So, it's enough, enough of that. It's time to give them phones that work, especially when you want to be able to track them, you know? Got to watch those kids, <laughs> see what they're up to. Oh, I, I guess. My parents didn't have this technology.
1: <laughs> I, I ordered zero. I'm on zero. I think we're going to keep it. I got the iPhone SE second gen. I will say I've dropped this phone so many times and the, the back of it is shattered, but not the front. So that's what's keeping it. Um, I, I, I am a, a mini believer, so I, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure, though, if they'll continue it for the iPhone 14, though. You know what I mean? So that's my little fear is like, oh, should I get the 13 mini? Because that might be the last mini because I heard it didn't sell very well, right? That's what all the reports came out. But I like that form factor. That's why I like the SE. Um, but my wife has an iPhone 11. Pro. So I still think we're good until next year On the since she had the Pro, right? I think if she had the iPhone 11, maybe get a new one, but she's the photographer in the family. But I'll tell you that cinematic mode and the ProRes, yeah. I was like, oh man, that's pretty sweet.
2: Yeah. I mean, you see the typical tweets, you know, uh, I, I saw that Apple released a new camera that can make phone calls kind of stuff. And <laughs> mm. I'm sure we all had those thoughts when we were looking at it. And I, you know, then the, the thought you probably have after that is, how many times am I actually going to do this rack focus thing? Like, never. Once and then never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> way too much. Effort. But uh, it is cool that it's there. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I've got the 11 Pro also. Uh, if I didn't need to replenish the family uh, stock of phones, I probably would just stick with this because it's been a great phone. I'm glad that uh, technology is not, ob- uh, what is it, obsoleting itself quite at the same pace it used to. Yeah, I saw
1: someone tweet earlier about um, they were kind of like disappointed. I've, I've been disappointed with new phones forever. But, you know, uh, to me, it's not about the phone or the form factors about some of the other stuff in there. But I actually appreciate that phones are lasting a lot longer because it's better on the budget at the end of the day. And there's still going to be people that upgrade every single year just because they want the latest and greatest gadget, you know, so.
2: For sure. Speaking of latest and greatest, did you see that we shipped a new .NET 6? Oh,
1: well, my goodness. Holy cram. Amazing. <laughs>
2: uh, well, let's talk for a, a little bit about uh, .NET MAUI and the .NET 6 release that went out uh, just the other day. Um, so it was a kind of a big day for .NET MAUI in general. Uh, first of all, it's a great release. Um, I'm very excited about what we're able to do in it and share with everybody. Because up till now, it's been kind of a kind of a little bit of a headache to get your environment set up, get all the workloads installed, and then get a Visual Studio that can see your templates, yada yada yada. Uh, so, in this release, Visual Studio 2022 Preview 4, it comes pre-packed with .NET Maui. Uh, So you end up checking actually the .NET workload for uh, mobile development, the old Xamarin workload, still new, but we call it old, I guess. Um, And underneath it, you have a checkbox for .NET MAUI Preview. So you check that puppy, make sure you've checked all the other dependencies that you need, like .NET for desktop and C++ and UWP. That'll give you all the tooling bits and everything uh, for most things. The only thing outside of that uh, you'll need, you'll need to install the uh, Visual Studio extension for a single project for Windows development in a future release. Will reduce that, and you'll you'll actually get that as part part of the package. Um, and then for Android development, we did bump to Android 12, which requires JDK 11. So you'll need to go grab an Open JDK, which Microsoft so graciously provides, um, and make sure that's on your environment so that you can do all the latest Android things. Um, so on that note, you know iOS. We were just talking about new iPhones. Uh, iOS 15 is coming. Xcode 13. Uh, It's impending. Apple shipped a release candidate. And so we have the bindings for that. If you've been following along with .NET 6 releases, you've been using those uh, Xcode 13 and iOS 15 bindings all along. Thank you for your dogfooding of our stuff. Um, And so that will come out for Xamarin developers. That is also what we're basing our .NET 6 stuff on. Um, And so we have the latest uh, platform support uh, even before it goes GA. So that's pretty sweet. Um, A couple of other things that are pretty awesome here. Uh, Once you've done that installation, you've checked all those boxes, you've installed those things that I just mentioned, you're good to go, both for Xamarin development and for .NET 6.NET MAUI development. You get both the C Sharp and the XAML hot reload. And you combine that up with the new XAML Live Preview, which mirrors uh, your running application, whether it's desktop or mobile, right inside your IDE. And it's really a very cool, magical experience. Have either of you been able to get that up and going on your machines and, and check that out?
1: Oh, yeah. I am all in on this thing. I think it's so cool. I saw not only the, the iOS or the Windows stuff work, but also the Android emulator being in there, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I mean, it's just so sweet because it's not just like a one for one. You can zoom in on your UI. You can, uh, do horizontal and vertical guides. Uh, it's pretty awesome. In the future, you'll be able to actually inspect and click through your UI mm. and navigate to your code and do things like that. So it's going to be a really, really powerful experience when everything comes together. Yeah. And so this is kind of, in my opinion, the first Visual Studio .NET 6 combined release where things are really starting to come together. And I'm, you know, I'm starting to get excited. I mean, I've always been pretty excited about what we're doing, but it's always been more in the hope and, you know, future stuff camp. Um, Now that I'm getting my, my grubby little fingers on things, I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to start really pumping out some samples and updating some things. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah. I think that I, I, these comes together is, is really awesome for like a lot of developers that just have a single screen. You know, the challenge that a lot of people have, or even I have, is is when you're doing the the hot reload, right? Not XAML, or now C Sharp hot reload too, like hot reload anywhere. You you have your emulator on top with your running application. And I often force the Android emulator to be on top all the time. Yeah. But now um, that doesn't have to be the case where if I'm on a single monitor or a laptop, I can just have everything inside the IDE and just go and navigate when I need to and bring up the UI. So it, it's a very elegant... Um, uh, story there, and I think also uh, there was like a web live preview too for like uh, that was a, released a while a, a few a month or so back. Uh, with doing web development with like uh, web forms or whatever, so it's kind of cool to see you know live preview start to become a brand too. Just like hot reload mm-hmm. starting to come everywhere, and and that's that's really the one thing I love about you know .dotnet six and VS twenty twenty two coming together is like this big unification where hey like all the features just kind of work everywhere. Like that's so cool. <laughs>
2: It is. And, you know, it's called uh, XAML Live Preview, which is kind of a misnomer because you could totally write all your UI in C Sharp. I want to make sure that Brandon Minnick knows that this feature is for him. He can use this too with his C Sharp UI coding skills. Um, so, because it's really just mirroring your, your app uh, in there. And now that you have.NET Hot Reload that works with C Sharp, uh, you can go to town on that and you would never have to touch a lick of XAML if you don't really want to. Um, but of course it all works together too. So, um, so that's all in there. It's a really great experience. If you haven't yet go grab the latest preview of Visual Studio 2022 preview four, um, give that a run, check all those boxes. Our instructions up on the docs website are up to date as of late yesterday. Um, the blog that we have out, which will Be linked in the show notes. We'll also give you some details to cover. Uh, I also cover several of the uh, changes in the SDK code, uh, such as our host builder pattern, um, some of those Android things. So you can be aware of those. And if you're migrating code from one thing to another, you can do that by hand. Um, The other really cool thing here is that uh, our single project is actually now one project. Uh, It's no longer the one project plus the Windows project. We've been able to bring that platform inside the platforms folder. So you now have a really uh, clean, concise, single project experience. It's all multi-targeted. And we have some additional multi-targeted improvements that will be coming in the future, uh, optimizing our builds, Uh, allowing you to check and uncheck and uh, uh, add platforms as you need to. It's really sweet. Um, Now, uh, there are other, you know, things here and there, absolute layout, relative, uh, or excuse me, right to left flow direction is in there. Uh, The new button icon image support is landed for the mobile platforms Um, and just tons of other, you know, improvements and changes and additions to the platform. Um, But what we... You know, the big news in the in the blog post is how are we uh, going to get this to GA? Uh, what is the road between now and GA look like for Maui? Because it's pretty clear uh, as you look at our status page, as you look at our project board, there's quite a bit of work left to be done. Um, And we want to make sure that we do the right thing for customers, right? Because we know that you depend upon this, you want it to be production ready. And we absolutely want that too. We want to make sure that we hit our goals for uh, developer interloop productivity, for performance of the application at runtime, for completeness of the control toolkit. And when we uh, do that assessment, we realize we really need to spend a few more months polishing this up and making it ready. So Uh, The new plan is that come this November, we're going to have a great, solid preview of .NET Maui. .NET 6 will GA with the runtime and the BCL, ASP.NET, and Blazor. But the Maui piece, the Android iOS, macOS piece that comes underneath that, we're going to consider that preview at this point. Now, some of that is, you know, a combination of uh, are enough of the pieces in visual studio and enough of the pieces done in the SDK to really call it a full end to end GA experience. Um, you may find for your projects that enough of it is there and you can go ahead and get up and running and even be shipping to production with it. But we wanted to be clear that uh, to do the whole end-to-end experience on all four platforms, we really want to spend this additional time. So we will be shipping previews on a monthly cadence um, and we will will let you uh, update uh, as frequently really as you want to because we do have nightly builds. We do have uh, PR builds and all that sort of thing and then uh come early 2022 around february march time we we expect to have an rc so that would be the release candidate version that you can really depend upon which would come with a go live license um and then you know by the very early part of q2 uh, again We'll take as much time as we need to to make sure that we get this right for everybody. Um, that's when we will GA um, .NET Maui for all four platforms. And so by that time, we also anticipate that we will have all the tooling set up both on Windows and on the Mac. Um, and we're really excited that you know uh, everybody is invested so heavily in this to make it uh, make it right to make sure that we have all the ducks in line um, and have a great product. So uh, as excited as I am about the preview we have now, and as excited as I am that we will have a very solid preview come November, I'm super thrilled that we uh, have this additional time to really polish things up and and finish finish the story.
1: Super awesome! Yeah, this is a great update. Uh, I am excited for where Maui is going, and will obviously continuously update you along the journey here uh, as Don MAUI continues. And I know I was reading the comments today, and a lot of positivity coming out and on on Twitter as well. Um, you know, I think it's always important to be transparent of where the project's at, what the team is doing, how the community is involved, and 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 you know, the honesty is the best policy.
2: Yeah, I I feel like, you know, between the project boards that we have, pull requests and issues, uh, any of the discussions that we engage with on GitHub, uh, we have the monthly, you know, community stand up. We also have a status page on our wiki on GitHub that mm-hmm. uh, tells you exactly where each property is on each platform for every control um, that's a lot of transparency, but we certainly can always do more. So, uh, if anybody's listening and you're and you're like, "Hey, I didn't know this, that, or the other," or "Why don't you try this?" Let me know. Um, we, we we definitely want to uh, not overwhelm ourselves with over communicating, but we want to make sure that we are being transparent. And um, I. I think I'm pretty well known as uh, being pretty pretty blunt and open, so uh, we, we want to continue that because we do know that folks are depending upon this, businesses are depending upon this, and you need to to do the right thing. And we we want to make sure that we give you the information to guide you in that. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, the, the comments on Twitter have been quite supportive. You know, uh, some disappointment, of course. You know, if we're looking for November; we want it to be there, and I certainly would love that as well. So, uh, there's plenty of disappointment to go around, but. Uh, really, this is the right thing for everybody. We're excited about it. I'm Thank you for everybody who has expressed support to us that this is the right decision um, to get this right, to make sure it's a complete end-to-end thing. Um, and, you know, we'll go out with great quality and we're looking forward to delighting developers with each preview. And of course, when we get to GA, we're, we're super excited.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to get this all up installed. I have a demo tomorrow, so I'm not touching my machines. Um, But by the time this podcast comes out, I will be having all the latest and greatest bits. And um, the one thing I had asked you, David, was a recommended path if people have been following the journey and trying things at home with like Maui check, because that was the Mm -hmm. default. Now it's just a check. Do you have a recommendation there?
2: Yeah, so those of you who have been following along probably have run MAUI Check and or some CLI commands and you've got some .NET 6 bits on your machines. Now that we're in the Visual Studio installer, uh, we're we're reconciling kind of, you know, what gets installed where, are we using all the same bits, et etc. to avoid conflicts um, so that, you know, you can get up and running smoothly. Uh, As of right now, there are still a couple of conflicts and things that we need to resolve. So my recommendation is uninstall all the .NET 6 preview stuff that you have previously done by going to your add remove programs on Windows. The .NET 6 uh, installation preview should all be listed there. Go ahead and clean those up. Uh, If you feel like you've got other stuff around, uh, there are some cleanup scripts that are on the uh, Maui GitHub wiki. Uh, If you go looking for installing .NET 6 as a page, you'll find some additional deeper instructions. Hopefully you don't need to go that far. Um, But as long as you've uninstalled everything from add, remove programs, and then you install Visual Studio Preview 4, uh, you should be in good shape. You know, of course, making sure you check all the boxes. I myself got into a situation where none of my Android showed up. I could run Windows stuff. I could build and compile iOS stuff, but I wasn't getting my Android. And I was like, what the heck is going on? and we determined that I indeed had a rogue Android thing in my .NET program files folder, and that was causing Visual Studio to think that I had a newer version already installed, so it wasn't going to install. Hopefully, most people aren't going to run into that because you're not, you you know, I'm testing stuff multiple times a day. I'm pulling from lots of different feeds, Um, so more than likely, not everybody's going to hit that. Um, But if you do, this is the kind of stuff you want to do. There is also, uh, by the way, James, a migration document that I put together. So if you're going from preview seven to preview eight or RC, um, I noted the top like three or four things that I know have changed in the SDK for you to be aware of if you're going to be migrating code. So for, we haven't done that in previous releases, version to version, but it seemed like this time around it was a good call. Uh, so many things have changed.
1: Awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely, we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, so definitely take a look at that. And we also had a release of .NET six RC one. So so this is one thing is uh, our you know .NET six itself has a go live license. Uh, David, do you want to explain a go live license?
2: Yeah, so it's a certain level of support that we'll provide. It's not the same kind of long-term support that we have, but you want to know that if you're going to take a bet on an RC and you're going to go to production with it, that you can at least depend upon Microsoft and our support teams to provide some reaction, uh, you know, uh, support for you in that. So that's the go live license. Um, you can probably find it documented somewhere online. I don't know where the link is, but if we can find it, we can share it. Um, the difference between that and the, and the long-term support license is that you're going to get the three years with the long-term support. So as soon as we do go GA, then that go live license flips over to the, the LTS support license. Um, and you get the broader covers, the longer term and all that sort of thing.
1: Perfect. Awesome. And then uh, the important part there is that since .NET MAUI, you know, is not part of that go live license because it's different, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to ring up our our customer support uh, engineering teams and say, hey, help me with this MAUI stuff, they would say, well, unfortunately, we can't help you with the MAUI stuff because it's not go live license yet, but we can help you with all the other .NET 6 stuff. Um, on the, on that note, it does remind me, uh, one of the main questions that I have seen pop up as people have been reacting to this online and on the comments is what does this mean for Xamarin iOS and Android? Mm. um, and for, and Xamarin forums for that matter. Uh, are we going to extend our support for those? Are we going to continue to support them, et cetera? So yes, um, I, we haven't published exactly how, how much longer we will support them, but I, I think it's safe to say we will continue to support them to cover the gap in the, in the change in schedule. Uh, we're not going to, uh, Uh, shorten them. And uh, I can tell you that I was testing a service release for Xamarin.Forms just yesterday, and that should be coming out to public feeds very soon. Uh, I just happened to find... One issue. So hey, good good news. Dogfooding works. We caught an issue, um, but that will be going out, and we're already uh, planning the next service release. Those will be coming out much more frequently for Xamarin Forms. And as I mentioned, for Xamarin iOS, we have the Xcode 13 iOS 15 bindings. Once we get final bits from Apple, we re rev our bindings. We'll get those out into a public shipping space uh, with Visual Studio, Visual Studio for Mac, um, and some independent installers if we need to do that, so that everybody is unblocked to be there for, uh, go live day for Apple. And then we do have the Android 12 JDK 11 stuff, and that is coming in a, uh, a near, uh, visual studio 2019 update as well as visual studio 2022.
1: Oh, fantastic. That is awesome.
2: Lots of things happening and all the same teams working on it. So heroic efforts by, uh, all of our teams. I really appreciate the work they're doing.
1: It's all happening. I love it. Um, Yeah, so .NET 6 RC1 is out. You can go grab that. And additionally, honestly, just head over to the .NET blog because there's been some really astonishing updates. Because I think now we think about .NET MAUI, like that is .NET 6, that is C Sharp 10, that's all those good things. There's been really, really great blog posts on the performance improvements, on new APIs that are coming in these releases, um recently uh david fowler put out one that was like all of you know his new favorite .NET 6 apis and this is just like a uh, just a banger i mean it's so good like some of the new apis that are in it um for just doing things like parallel for each async. There's more link commands. Uh there's new math things. There's this argument null exception dot throw if null. So you no longer have to check for nulls and then throw a null exception. Like so good. Just like get rid of those lines of code. Um, definitely take a look at that. So when I think of these releases have done at six, it's it's kind of all this stuff bundled together. So definitely take a look at that. It's just so good. So Good. Uh, Matt, we got a new VS uh, 2022 preview. What's all up in there?
0: Yeah, James, it's Preview 4. It seems like we just started talking about Visual Studio 2022 like three previews ago. Now it's all grown up into Preview 4. Can you believe it? Uh, I can't. It's happening. I know. So, yeah, as part of Preview 4, uh, we talked about one of the great things about VS 2022 is its 64-bit support which makes it a lot more scalable and faster. And one of the things that they did with this, um, the 64-bit is that they worked on the find functionality. And so now when you actually try to find like a keyword in a file, it's up to three times faster in large projects, which is actually something really cool if you're working with these huge, huge projects, which the 64-bit supports now better. You'll be able to find things three times faster, which is... Very helpful <laughs> if you're in, if you're in a rush, right? But here's okay. So, but here's something that I was super impressed about when I read it: dependent breakpoints. Now, what this means is is that you can define a breakpoint. Now, it's not a conditional breakpoint, like say only hit this if um, x is greater than ten. What a dependent breakpoint says is only break if another breakpoint was hit before it. So, you're saying, like, I'm coming in from this code path, but don't break if, don't hit this, don't enable the breakpoint if you're coming in from code path A. Only come in, hit the breakpoint if you're coming in from code path B. So, function A calls it, don't break in function C, only break in function B or function C if function B calls it. Mm, Makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that kind of neat? To be able to do. So I mean it is be able to you you know, so if you have you know function c is only doing something wrong at certain intervals, you can actually, you know, and you don't need to break every single time it gets called, if especially if it function C is inside a loop or something, then you can um um set your dependent breakpoint and uh debug it quicker. So it's all this inner dev loop stuff that uh works out. And then there's a couple um uh, what I'll call user interface stuff to make make um, a VS twenty two just work better for you is um, color coding of tabs, which which would be useful. Let's say you have a bunch of tabs open from different projects, color code them so you can just at a glance know which tab it is. Especially if you have um, tabs that are files that are named the same, right? So you can figure out which one is just at a glance coming from which project. And also, That's hey, let me ask you a question about that.
2: Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've no- I noticed it, and I was like, what the heck is going on here? Why are my tabs colored? So, can I, maybe you don't know the answer, can I color code them by file type? I don't know the answer. I'm going to try like, that. That would be pretty interesting to be like, okay, I can quickly scan my tabs and find my CSS file, my XAML file, right. my JavaScript file, my whatever file. Hmm. So, that's what's going on. And interestingly... And the version that I have installed here, the release candidate for Preview Four, my tabs are like a mustard color. But I swear (laughs) the version I had before that, they were like a like a plum color. So
0: so they were yellow, and now or they are purple. Now they're yellow.
2: Yeah, but I didn't touch anything. So I'm assuming that there's like something. Well, not not like cheap mustard either. This is like the gray poupon color. Okay, Mm. just want to be very clear about the color of mustard that we're talking about. Not that cheap cheap ballpark stuff um <laughs> tab colors i'm searching my options oh can't find it all right sorry all i'm right, distracting yeah. you this is why i don't typically hang around on these things because then i just make this whole thing go forever and ever and ever with my right. little random Ooh, i wonder if i could do this
1: that's what the right. podcast is for though that's why we're here to have a discussion yep
2: i if i figure this out while i'm going i'm totally gonna interrupt you
0: Right. No, no problem. You should. So David, you're probably old enough that you remember the Great Poupon commercials, right? Oh
2: Where yeah, Where that
0: absolutely. guy pulls up and, pardon me, you have any Great Poupon? Is mm-hmm. that even a commercial anymore? I don't know. I uh, on YouTube it is for sure. I'm sure. We'll link to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it there's might be sell, the only thing we it. link
2: to. Yeah. <laughs> it still exists. You know, it was always in the fridge, and I'm pretty sure I always had to ask my mom or dad, can I use this? You know, am I allowed to use this? It's hoity-toity mustard, you know? hmm
0: Yep. Only if you behave, David. Only if you All behave. Right.
2: <laughs> All
0: right. And what else? Oh, more. is Along with the color coding of the tabs, um, theming updates. And what is pretty neat here is that um, the Visual Studio team is going to be partnering with um, some of the community members who develop some of the themes for bs code so visual studio code has a bunch of different themes where you can just change everything in it and so they're going to bring some of the themes over from there into visual studio um the first one i believe is is um winter is coming and i think it's done by john papa one of of my teammates so yeah that's pretty neat that they'll be bringing those over as well and then there's a whole host of um Other, like, Git updates and, uh, like, some ASP.NET updates. Um, Hot Reload works for ASP.NET now. Blazor and Razor editor updates and um, stuff like that. But color coding of tabs obviously is the, it's the ticket here. It's the reason why you would come to VS 2022.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You can't can't get this mustard color just anywhere. (laughs)
0: All right. So, James, what's coming on at.NET Conf? That's coming up
1: ooh, in this November, right? It's around the corner. It's less than uh, two months away. Yeah, .NET, Conf, .NET. Um uh, The submissions were all submitted. It's 54 days away when you re- hear this, if you're on the Friday 52 50- Two days, I guess. So it's going to be the .NET 6 launch. So, I mean, it's happening. There's going to be another RC of .NET 6 and then .NET Conf and everyone's going to be there. It's it's going to be uh, three days. Uh, day one is all about .NET 6 and join the .NET team there. Um, day two is deep dives. So it's 24-hour broadcasting. Um, just keeps going on more .NET stuff and community speakers as well and on day three. So there's all sorts of stuff happening. Uh, I've been in the planning meetings. You do not want to miss this. There's going to be some awesome uh, keynotes and just uh, just absolutely spectacular stuff. And additionally, .NET Conf will have you know additional, you know, viewing virtual events as well. And, and uh, they do the local tour after that too. So definitely be on the lookout, but go tonetconf.net Conf.net. The countdown is on. Save the date. It's free. It's free. Just go on there. It's gonna be broadcasting <laughs> everywhere on the internet, Twitch, YouTube, Learn TV, uh, on the.NET Conf website. Go there, be there. Everyone's going to be there. David will be there. I'll be there. I actually
2: hope to be there in person. Uh, I mean, it's I know happening. that uh, it's, it's a studio event for us um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not everybody's going to travel, but I'll, I'll mask up. I'll take all the precautions and I'll fly up there. Hopefully you can, you can make your way there too. And we can see, see each other in, in real life.
1: In real life. We'll see. So check out and and tune in. .net.com.net. .net. Bam. That's all the .net
0: news. What you got for us, Matt? All right, we got some cloud stuff coming up, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to change it up a little bit. We're going to talk about the Azure Service of the Month first, because that'll lead into some cloud news then. Okay, Um, got it. That way, usually I talk about cloud news and say, hey, guess what? The cloud news is the same as the Azure Service of the Month. Well, we'll change it up, make it a little more natural flow, because we're all about the narrative here. Anyways, long story short, Azure Service of the Month is Azure Monitor. All right. So as you probably could guess, Azure Monitor is, you use it to collect and analyze data from your various cloud services all over the place, right? So, I mean, you're analyzing data from your cloud apps and services. So that kind of sounds like Application Insights, right? Yes. 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 It is. It is, but it's not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. All right. Yeah. So what Azure Monitor is, it's like... Um, an abstraction of App Insights and uh, Log Analytics together. So you can kind of think of uh, Azure Monitor as the, an abstraction over the top of it. So App Insights is still a thing, but you can use App Insights within Azure Monitor within with also like Log Analytics too. So it's like, it's like your one-stop shop for everything. Mm. And uh, the cool thing is you probably already have it enabled because it gets enabled when you create your subscription. Well, like I said, if it does... Um, both App Insights, which is um, logs, and it's time series stuff. So, I mean, it's constant, like, all right, my app is, you know, collecting data. You know, user did A, they hit a button, and you can, you know, time series of what it did. It also, see, uh, does metrics. Um, so, you're saying, all right, my app is using so many CPUs. So, different things that you can collect and all view through Azure Monitor. And you can query your data using um, the Custo language as well. So it's like a query language that you would use to query metrics. And uh, so, yeah, you can monitor your app data. You can monitor your Azure resources. And it can also monitor data from any REST client as well. So it doesn't necessarily need to be sitting in Azure for Azure Monitor to get it. So it's just one stop shop to monitor everything. Pretty neat. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And so, leads right into some cloud news, is that there is a new Azure Monitor .NET SDK. All right. Yes. Now, so I kind of, why I said you can actually write queries with Kusto uh, query language to get at it. Well, you can with the Azure Monitor or the Azure, the .NET SDK, I'll just say .NET SDK. You still could do that, but the .NET SDK makes it a little bit easier for us .NET developers to Go in and query Azure Monitor. So that's out. I mean, it's out in preview right now. They're going to be out in um, GA, I believe, mid-October. So I'll put a, a link to the GitHub where you can actually go down and read all about it and um, eventually download with the NuGet. And so, yeah, pretty cool. You can use it to do both logs and metrics. And what's neat about this is that it uses the Azure Authentication SDK to automatically authenticate against um Azure Monitor. So, in other words, you don't have, once you're authenticated, once you don't have to pass in um, your credentials any longer to go out and get everything. So, yeah, that's coming out in mid October for GA. And so, another some cloud news I want to talk about is um, the Cosmos DB team put out uh, an, an end to end example of using Cosmos. From the ground up, so Cosmos mm. is a document uh, database, no SQL, and a lot of times I come from a relational background, and so James and David, um, I'm guessing you you guys both come from a relational background.
2: Yeah, I can I can write a mean T SQL, you know, inner outer mm-hmm. join. Oh. Oof.
0: Yeah. Right. Third, normalize easy. Fifth, normalize. Like, yeah, we can do that Come too, on. right? Yeah. Me but, and stored
2: procedures, we are buds. <laughs>
0: yes, but go to document databases or NoSQL. It's like, how do you model relationships there? It's exactly right. All the relationships are modeled right in the same document, which kind of seems weird. But um, so what the Cosmos DB uh, team did is that they wrote up this like. Step-by-step, step, how you would actually take your... They come up with a, came up with a scenario, and then they weighed it based on certain criteria, on whether um, it's read or write-heavy, how big the data payload is itself, and how you want to access it. So you can decide, all right, do, is this better for relational data, or is it better for NoSQL data? So then based off those um, answers... You go through and you create a Cosmos DB for it. So it's neat to see a sample because we mention Cosmos, or I do, all the time. And so they actually see the criteria that you would use to whether it's worth it or not or applicable for your situation or not. So, yeah, we'll link to that sample. It's a two, actually a two-part blog series as they go through it. So that's um, nice to go through. It kind of has a, has a reference so you can see if you need to uh, to have when you evaluate your options and then talking about relational um, databases, a great way to sometimes access a relational database when you don't feel like using SQL, an object relational mapper an any framework, right? Works with SQL. Mm-hmm. It also works with Cosmos. No way. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeremy Lickness, a good friend of the show. Um, wrote a nice blog post about using uh, the next version of Entity Framework six. I believe it's six makes sense as next six EF Core six with Cosmos, and uh, which which actually is kind of. I mean, it's really when you think about it, you know, Entity Framework object relational it's geared. I mean, it's all geared towards relations, relational database, but it now works nicely with uh, documents. Whereas I mentioned before, instead of having one table and then a um, Child table the, for its re- related records. Everything usually for a document is in that same. You have the parent and all of us children is in the same document. Um, and the framework now works with it. Don't even have to do the configuration. Works by default. And you wow. can even issue some raw raw SQL against it if you wanted to with, within Cosmos. And um, yeah. And a host of other improvements there as well so yeah jeremy goes through that on the blog post but we'll link to it so if you're building some um data on the background maybe an api that works against cosmos check it out NAD framework 6 NAD framework core six <laughs> pretty cool i not forget the core i know <laughs> so uh yeah brings us to the pick of the pod james what you got all right, I got a I got a library uh, called
1: Stowage. Stow like storage, but Stowage, it's actually a next generation library from a uh, next generation of a library called Storage by Ivan Garveluk. He's uh, I think he's on the Seralog team as well. Um, his his GitHub is alone. Uh but Stowage uh, is a cross cloud dot net. Online-offline storage kit. What does that mean? Great question. It means that you can do online-offline and streamable file storage, like blob storage, with a single cross-platform API. Supports Azure, Google, and AWS, and local storage, and in-memory storage, too. So you can do like uh, file from, and you can say Azure blob storage, pass it some information, boom, get it back. Uh, It's, I think it's, there's no, uh, additional SDKs that you need to install. I think, th- it, I think he's just using like the raw under the hood, you know, HTTP stuff or whatever, but it's a pretty cool one, uh, that I stumbled across. They, um, actually he submitted it to my newsletter, uh, for community stuff. And I was like, well, this is pretty cool. It's a really simple API. Like I said, and, and if you're looking to, um, uh, Download some files upload or upload some files to blob storage. There's, of course, official uh, SDKs for all of these that are out there. But uh, this is kind of a nice one to look at, especially if you have to target multi-cloud in your app. You know, it's another big thing is is you want to bring those all in. So definitely give it a look. That's my pick of the pod. What you got, Matt?
0: All right. I got this tool called... FIG, it comes from like F-I-G, like the fruit. And it comes from a, well, a company called FIG, FIG.io. You can see it. Mm. And what it does, it gives you autocomplete to your terminal window. It's mm. mm-hmm. so like all the cool kids are using terminals now, right? I mean, that's where the cool kids are. They're using terminals. I guess, you know, I guess. Command uh, line, you know, you know, it's a cool kid thing. You know, <laughs> I try to look cool, use a terminal. I don't know. So anyways, so let's say you're changing directories. What the fig do, will do, it'll bring up your directory structure. So you just do cd, and mm. then you'll see the f- directories that are available in your current structure for you, including like the files or whatnot. So you can do cd um, users m soak up projects or something like that, and it'll bring up all the autocomplete for you. It also works with things such as git. I'm always looking up those git commands; don't remember what they are, so you don't actually have to do git. Dash dash help, they're there for you in autocomplete form. Totally nice. Also works with other things such as uh, Kubernetes or Docker. It doesn't work with Azure CLI yet, but there you can actually add it to it. It has it's it's um extensible, so you can add um all oh, with JSON. You can add to it if you wanted to. So maybe that would be a project to do over the weekend is add, add the Azure CLI to it. But yeah, it's pretty neat, and that it's complete pop-up with your um, terminal. So, uh-huh. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. How about you,
1: David? What do you got?
2: Well, I was just looking over the uh, the two that you guys share. Those was really cool. Uh, yeah, You're that, welcome. That terminal stuff looks pretty hot. Uh, I, I If I had to pick one off the top of my head because my head's been buried in writing blog posts and documents, uh, I would say the .NET MAUI Community Toolkit. Um, Check that out uh, because it's new, it's hot, and it's out there, and you should be using it. But uh, in lieu of having a great community library to share, I wanted to go back to the tab colors because I figured <laughs> it out. So this is, this is a callback. So it turns out that it is auto-picking colors by project. And so if I open up, I've got like four projects in here, right? I've got my, my forms project. I've got Android, iOS, and UWP. Each of them is assigned a different color. So my sh- my class library is mustard. And then Android is um, teal, I guess. That's absolutely my least favorite color in the world. Um, iOS is like a really muted red. And then UWP is purple, plum. So that's what's going on there. And you can't control the colors. So what? it's just by project. I cannot hmm. find. I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's a JSON file or an XML file somewhere you can get to it. But I, like I went into the themes and stuff, and I didn't quite see it. So maybe it's a themable thing. Probably is. I mean, come on. You know, people are anytime you put a color into the ID, somebody's going to want to tweak it. But yeah. uh, that's what's going on with the tabs.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it has to be it has to be themable. But you're right. All the screens. I mean, that's what I see too. And. I'm disappointed there's no aubergine in there. Maybe when you get to your 100th project, it will be, but.
2: Pull, pull a Kramer from Seinfeld and just see how far you can take this. Keep adding projects <laughs> and see see when that mustard comes back up because it could happen.
0: Oh, it's 64-bit, David. I, we're we're going to be here forever.
2: Right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a lot you can do with this thing.
1: All right. And with that, that's going to do it for this months. month's.mi podcast. Definitely make sure you subscribe. And also, if you're on one of those podcast apps or websites that you can leave a review, that would super help out. Let us know what you think of the new podcast format the new show and of course all the awesome stuff that interviews that matt's been doing as well there's also content just coming out all the time not only official ones but also you know people using xamarin.net maui stuff and net in general so give it a listen go to dot that's the url it's all updated everything's there check it out until next time this has been your maui podcast bye bye